Hey guys, DJ here. This is a disclaimer. Applied Materials is a 100% non-profit, fan-made project set within the Orpheus Protocol game system. The Orpheus Protocol is an actual play podcast and tabletop role-playing game system created by Rob Stith and published by Varkalak Press. If you'd like to know more, please check out the main podcast at www.orpheusprotocol.com and patreon.com slash orpheusprotocol if you'd like to show more support for the main podcast. Thank you for your time, and please enjoy the following episode. Welcome to Applied Materials, an Orpheus Protocol actual play podcast. My name is DJ and I will be your host for tonight. On the cast list for our journey into the unknown, Aurora is Adrian Newman, Chanel as Jesse Lale, Jonah as Chihiro Omoi. Tonight's episode, Where Titans Collide, Part 2. Where Titans Collide contains violence, gore, convenience, and a unification of kindred spirits. Consider this your warning. Previously on Applied Materials, the Dog Walkers and the Unknown Soldier clash, with the Orpheus agents coming out on top in the end. The trio discuss their options as their train arrives, but the hulking monstrosity they just felled returns for another round. Where we last left off, the three of you had just boarded a train. Yes. Specifically, a train where you strapped yourselves in and then you got a needle jabbed into your neck. Yeah. And you were knocked unconscious as you were sent basically across the world. And so we return to the perspective of the Bloodhounds as you awaken from your drug-induced stupor. The train is trundling along at a fairly decent clip. You don't quite feel the vibrations of the train because this is magnetically stabilized so it's less bumpy more smooth but you awaken in your chairs securely strapped in place a light sting in the side of your neck where that needle jabbed into your veins and injected you with some sort of sedative that was creepy and horrifying but you're here now the train is empty it's a plain maglev train two cars long and the only passengers in it are the three of you. Oh, that's good. We do not need pa- other passengers. Very grateful for that one. So it was a sedative. It wasn't something that made us knock out. I mean, it did knock you out. You were unconscious for the whole trip and have only now just awoken. I don't like that, but okay. Man, I do not appreciate this. I'm just kind of scratched at my neck. What, what does the outside like look like again? Like what, what kind of geographies around us? There is none. This is a train tunnel illuminated by lights. Okay. From the train itself. I'm going to pull out my phone. How much time has passed like since we got in? So, Adrian, you pull out your Orpheus communicator and have a look at it. And you can see that where previously your phone had synced itself to Japan time. Because, you know, phones do that automatically. It has now synced itself with Russian time. And... By your estimate, you figure that maybe 10, 15 minutes have passed since you last got in the train, but that couldn't be right, could it? Roll horror check, please. Dang it. <laughs> Walked right into that one, Aurora. Oh, yeah. Hey, plus one. Um, me. Peace down on my spiritual strain. Zero. <laughs> That's willpower. That's a three. I can't do anything else to that. Oh. Oh, dear. Uh, I got really fucked up from something last time. I don't remember what. <laughs> it's probably Kane. <laughs> probably Kane. I think Kane fucked me up somehow, guys. Because I'm one away from being critically. We would have strain back, though. Yeah, you would have like one strain of all types back because new session. Hell yeah. I'll spend one strain. It's a four. So with a four, you pass, standing to lose four preventable sanity damage. As you realize that whatever happened on this train, it must have transcended some form of boundary of space-time for it to have taken you only about 10 minutes to go from Japan to Russia. I'll use four spiritual strain to reduce that to zero damage. Okay, (laughs) I'm going to put my phone away. (laughs) Is this train, like, slowing down? Like, obviously coming to a stop? It doesn't feel like it's slowing down, but 
its speed seems to be maintained at a steady rate. And you notice as you look down that the straps on your chest, there is a little release button on the little clasp on the sensor of your chest. You can just push that, you assume, and the straps will just sort of come off. That's what the three of you see on your chest. I take off the seatbelt and I make sure I am not leaning back towards the chair at all in case it decides to stick me again. I'm gonna, um, just to see if I can figure out any more about our surroundings, gonna spend the two humanity and the uh, strain to um, uh, astrally project around the train a little bit as we're going along to uh, see if, if I can see anything about our surroundings at all. Roll me an awareness check with your perception, please. That is a plus two on the dice. Passive plus a one. I'll be putting um, three of my three times strain into vigilance to bring that to an 11. Good God. So, Adrian, you see Chihiro slump in her chair, and you reasonably assume that she has once again astrally projected herself out of her body. Chihiro, you slump back in your chair, and your spirit form leaves your body and exits the train, or at least about maybe a good foot or two around the train, just sort of floating around, keeping up with the speed of the train as it barrels through the ground like this. I put on my favorite backpack since she's gone, also known as Chihiro. (laughs) So, Chihiro, you realize that this train is underground. That is very clear to you. And, And... The train itself is moving at a very, very high rate of speed. Far faster than any train you thought possible. Even faster than some of the bullet trains that you've taken in Japan. But the most startling revelation comes in the form of a nasty surprise as you reach the back of the train and find your old friend Kane hanging onto the back. God damn it. No fucking way. Hey, Chihiro, roll me a horror check, please. No fucking way. Why? Why is he bothering me? Didn't we, like, call him a bozo? When we were leaving, we, like, saw him, like, approaching, like, what a bozo, he didn't catch us. Jesus. (laughs) No way. I re-rolled, I rolled poorly, it doesn't really matter, I'm just gonna... I, I expect this is... This is this is not too bad. This is just like, oh, god damn it! Like like like, oh, I can't believe he's here. Not like a reality shattering thing. So, I'll just take the plus one in lieu of rolling and leave it at six. Yeah, you pass, standing to lose three preventable sanity damage. This isn't too horrifying considering you know his capabilities now, but it's still kind of scary that he's caught up with the train and is currently clinging to it. This motherfucker. DJ. Yo. My vigilance was enough to find a like to to see somebody. Of this is just um sympathetic field for um uh astral projection. Gain one level when your vigilance exceeds an en- against an enemy stealth check while you are under the effect of rank three. Would that count for this? Yep, that counts. Yay. Jesse and Adrian, as the two of you get up out of your chairs and stretch kind of look around i'd like to know your vigilance for this scene my vigilance is set to a four all right so my basic vigilance is a two i don't even have awareness on my sheet so that means you you can't roll you can just add one strain in i'll do that all right jesse you're too caught up with tying chihiro to your back but adrian As you make your way to the front of the train to maybe look at one of the computers to see where you're going or how far along you are in your journey, you hear the sound of glass breaking. Uh, uh, He's here. Chihiro, like, eyes open, sighs. He's here. Kane is attached to the back of the train. Or, I don't know, not attached. You know what I mean. He grabbed on. I just heard glass breaking. Near the back. Yeah, yeah, he's in here. Um, Are there any computers up here? Yes, there are, Adrian. You are in the front of the train where all of the control consoles are. And as Chihiro comes out of her... Blah, blah. And as Chihiro comes out of her stupor and relays the information that she's recovered back to you, you are looking down at these control consoles and you find yourself somewhere in Russia, specifically heading towards a little green blip on the map marked Mirny. 
and the trained computer tells you, or tells everyone rather, that you are about a good two to three minutes away from reaching your destination. Cool. Great. Guys, I have a hilarious idea. So only the front of this train has to make it there, right? Preferably that would be the case, yes. Uh, what if we get? What if we jumped out of this train um, and walked the rest of the way? I know that sounds crazy, and uh, we might die, but uh, it would be kind of funny for him to uh, be in this train and then just really far away from us. DJ, is there like a front window to this compartment? Yes, you are looking right at it. You can look out of the front of the train and just see tunnel whizzing by. We should break this window and hear me out. Go up on the roof like on the top of the train, run down past where he's going beneath us, and then just go off the back. I love it. It's a great idea. <laughs> or, hear me out, we just take the train because we already fucked him up once. He's annoying, but out of all the things we're probably going to have to deal with today, just fuck his brain up a little more, and he'll run pissing himself. Sure. I guess I can... How much time do we have left until we get there? Two minutes, but if we really need to, I can slow this bitch down. I'm sure I can I mean, figure I, that out. I can try to just completely freeze him in place for that entire length of time. If you think you can. I'm sure you can. It's dumb. You just brain broke him with little effort last time. It wasn't little effort, but it was, yeah, yeah, no, that's true. All right. Uh, I'll let you guys know if I succeed. If not, it kick his ass. Uh, I'm going to painfully, painfully spend the five humanity to activate the overload of um, astral projection and uh, move backwards to back to where Kane is and try to mesmerize him. Essentially, I will be completely incapacitated for... Uh, I'm, I'm probably... Like, however much initiative is... the The amount of initiative that I will spend is, like... Two minutes worth. So he, if I succeed, he will be frozen for four minutes. So it's stability or discipline versus stability or discipline. Okay, Chihiro, you pop out of your body again. And in your empowered spiritual form, you fly through the train towards the back. The only unfortunate thing is that I am visible to anyone while I am using the overload. It lets me use my powers from a distance, but I am I become visible, so he will see me. Jesse, this comes as no surprise to you that you're now suddenly able to see Chihiro's astral form. You've always been able to see her. Adrian, this comes as a bit of a shock to you, but not so much now, because you have seen her astrally project before, previously, when you were still in Japan. So you see this kind of ghostly, wispy-looking Japanese woman, long hair, kind of ring-esque, Japanese woman come flying out of Chihiro and zip towards the back of the train. The train itself is about two cars long. It is roughly the same length as a New York subway train in terms of car length. So it doesn't take you very long to zip to the back Chihiro and find Kane having punched through one of the train windows. He is climbing over broken glass and he's walking from the back of the train towards the front. And that's when he sees you. No, stop it. And now I'd like you to roll your mesmerism stuff. Okay, so that's going to cost me one humanity, and one of my motivations will work on this. Uh, I don't think the other two quite do, but uh, my principle of no more collateral damage, <laughs> it's for very obvious reasons. Like, we could probably take this guy, but that uh, it's, it's a risk that I don't want to take, especially because if he fucks... If he injures us before we get where we're going, it could be lethal there. So let's see. I'm glad I didn't use my plus two or temp strain for discipline. Now I will go ahead and take the plus two in the roll. Okay, give me a second to roll my D3. Three temp strain. The best I can do on this is a 12. So you pass handily. Hooray! I rolled a nine. Phew. I figured it, w it would be reasonably high, so I put everything in there that I could. Your mesmerism goes through, and he is now completely under your thrall. Yes. So I'm going to spend two minutes worth of initiative based on what Adrian said. And so I will, I will be 
completely like on a like uh, unable to do anything for the next two minutes, and he will be completely unable to do anything for the next four minutes. I already strapped you to my back. You're good. Yay! You will not be left behind, and you will be protected. I'm going to communicate with Jahiro right now, right? If we move him at all, is it going to affect it? Like, for instance, if I strapped him into one of the chairs. She seems very distracted, but she says um, he can do... He he can try to resist that. He just... he, He can't take action himself, but he can defend himself. So... You would you would have to force him through, but he he wouldn't be snapped out. I mean, we could just keep him on here and then send the train somewhere else. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But if we strap him to a chair and we send the train to somewhere else, he'll get injected, right? And he'll be knocked out. I mean, that's only if he would be sitting in a seat, and we can't touch him. Yeah, a sedative might not be enough. True. Also, I think it's funny if he goes really fast through that portal, unsedativized, and falls on his face. Hilarious. I'm focusing hard right now. He's actually not weak-minded. I'm just that good. Well, let's get the train ready to move out the moment we get in. We'll have two minutes when we arrive okay so jesse and adrian i would like the both of you to make me a collaborative cybersecurity check with your cognition to reprogram the train so that it moves out to a random destination the moment you get back on the moment you arrive at mirny station yay i'm good at this one <laughs> i'm theoretically good at it uh also i'm i'm spending two mental strain um, because I have to re, I, I would have had to reestablish the communication after we uh, woke back up again. Okay. Ooh, yay. Okay. So plus two. These adjustable too high. Me adding strain will still result in a negative three, probably. Uh, that's. Uh, so this is with. Wait, what does that key off of? Cognition. Okay. Cognition is two. I get to add two. Uh, so that's going to be starting at. Yeah, I'll add three in. So, uh, that's a seven? If I add two, I get five. <laughs> yeah, that's feel helpful. As long as you're within a couple, you're good. Yeah. So, it adds a plus one to your overall check, which rounds it out to an eight. So, Adrian, you start tapping buttons on the train console. You don't quite know what you're doing, but you manage to bring up the train's destination. You manage to bring up the train's destination log, as well as a digital map. And while you're sort of puzzling over where to send this train next, Jesse, you come into the train. Jesse, you arrive in the train's control center, the front cabin. And Adrian's just sort of standing there looking over a map on a display. It is a world map. And right now you are in Russia. There are a bunch of other green blips on the map. And wherever you choose to send him, that is your call. Well, I decided to take a quick, like, snapshot of that just to get all the green blips so I know all the places. Because I'm not going to attempt to, like, tap anything to get a list of all the possible manifests. But I will take a picture real fast because I have one thing to focus on right now. And what's the farthest coordinates I can send him to just for the joy of sending him far away and having him not be able to do anything about it? So you take a picture of the map and then you just sort of peer closer at this digital display. You can use the keyboard to sort of zoom in on different places on the map. And you find a station out in Oahu, Hawaii, which is about on the other side of the world. Well, Or alternatively, the thought comes to you that you could send him back the way he came from. No, no. I want him not to actually be able to control where he's going. Uh, and because I got the eight, I'm going to put that in and put the thing on, I don't know if you would call it a timer, but basically it won't be able to do anything for a period of time if that is possible. So make it so after we put this in, even if he can figure out computers, which I'm guessing probably not in this particular case, he's just stuck staring at it, refusing to work for him for a moment. 
All right, you do that. You input the next destination as Oahu, Hawaii, and then you lock the console down from being tampered with any further. You lock it behind admin credentials, and you Before reasonably... you do that, Chihiro's going to say in your head, if you can delete the history, I don't think he has any way of knowing where we're headed right now. He just <laughs> grabbed onto the back of the train <laughs> and worked with us. If you can delete the history before sending him off. Yeah, I think we're assholes, but this is fun. And I do that. Look through the internet browser history. Jesse, you do that. You scrub the train's destination log and transport history. That is easy for you to do a couple of keystrokes, you're done. And you set the train to arrive at its next destination, follow through with its regular protocol, and then zip straight over to Hawaii. Unfortunately for you, you don't quite know what the regular transport protocol is, so you don't know if the train is going to stop at the station and take a bit of time to let you all out, wait for a bit, and then leave like a normal train. You don't know. This This is unfamiliar to you. I'm just going to have a stand by the door, and we jump as soon as the doors move, if they move. If they don't, we'll figure it out from there. If we don't, we can make them move. Right? I get, Actually, I get out my gun. We'll make a move. Wait, I don't have a gun, do I? No, you don't. I pull well, out I my finger gun. guns it. It's a pistol. It isn't much. Careful, the glass might be bulletproof. We'll find out. Not werewolfproof, though. The minutes tick by in agonizing silence, broken only by the sound of air whizzing by the windows. It is howling outside, but eventually you feel the train start to slow down. And eventually, you find yourselves pulling into what appears to be a train station. Jesse and Adrian, the two of you are at the front of the train, and you can see that as the train is pulling in towards the platform, there's some weird shit going on. There is a strange sort of pea soup fog that appears to be billowing out one of the hallways that connects to the train station platform. But not only that, you also see small rivers of brackish, muddy-looking water just sort of cascading off of the edge of the platform and onto the tracks itself. It's weird. It's very weird. The train slows down to a stop, and near the front of the train where you are, you can see that there's three people standing there. Two men and one woman. The two men appear to be dressed in combat fatigues with tactical armor and rifles. And one of them appears to be holding a great big green axe. The woman appears to be younger in her late 20s, wearing some sort of leather jacket, short, punk-ish hair, colored a bright color. And she also appears to be bandaged in some way, shape, or form. Her torso appears to have been wrapped in some form of medical bandages or military issue. You're not quite sure. But as the doors of the train car open to admit the passengers you assume this is the orpheus team that you spoke with on the phone jesse and adrian i'd like you to roll me an awareness check please with your perception the dog is kind of blind the dog girl is a little bit blind and that roll was not friendly all right damn um okay so i think i'm too worried about everything else going on right now oh wait i do have awareness i was wrong i have awareness too that's good. Yay. Okay. Yay. Woo. Okay. Uh, back to where I was. What was I? Okay. Awareness 2 means I actually have the ability to add stuff to this. Well, not much. I can add... Three strain. Oh, it is a full three. Do I want to put three into this, though? I don't come with a lot of that. But in this situation, yeah. Yeah, that's for the best. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're going to add strain. So that'll be a five. Uh, I got a six total. As the two of you step out to greet the other team, you are rudely interrupted by the sound of something thumping rather wetly against the front of the second car. And as you turn to your left to look down the platform where whatever that was impacted, you see that it is a man. Or rather, it's half a man. Appears to be missing both his legs. And trumping through... The fog that appears to have settled in the platform. You see a huge hulking individual clad in old, old armor and uniform. 
They appear to be wearing a cloak of some sort, along with a helmet. It looks to be vaguely military-ish gear. In fact, Adrian, with your, let's say, advanced age, you recognize this. This is gear from the First War, the Great War. Specifically, this is Russian. And the figure is wearing a gas mask that obscures most of its face. And in one hand, you can see it holding a war club or a truncheon wrapped in barbed wire that is dripping with blood. In fact, both of its hands are dripping with blood. And as it walks out onto the platform, it's standing there sort of staring at the wounded individual who appears to be now just sort of slumped in a pool of his own blood. And then his head slowly swivels towards the two of you. Does the doors open at this point? Oh, no, yeah, the doors are open. You have stepped through. You're on the platform. Is this guy also on the platform? Yes. Okay. Chihira says in your mind as we're rolling for initiative, all right, I'm assuming everything's fine now that we've stepped off the train. Is it cool for me to stop uh, keeping Kane still? Are we good? Roll for 30 seconds and afterwards, I'm going to want you to not move, all right? I'm probably going to do something stupid, and I'm going to need you not to mess with my momentum. And as I say that, I will do initiative, but I am immediately transforming. I can say that you do your full transformation as we are going into initiative, so... Cool. You're riding on a much bigger werewolf now. Don't worry, I'm not going to be moving anytime soon. Is this a new scene from when we were on the train? Yes. Good, because that means I can re-roll my initiative. I'm going to use my new uh, motivation on this initiative because the dice can fuck themselves. I will also invoke a motivation, my bond, to Dylan and Jesse here. Since Jesse's here, not Dylan now. I rolled a 3 on the D3, bringing my initiative to 11. I used the motivation, adrenaline is the spice of life, because the last couple of minutes have just been spiking it, and she went full werewolf because of it. So, let's get ready to rumble. And that's a 9. I will be at a 12. Uh, I'm, I expect I'll be spending most of this just to keep Kane quiet while this is going on. You're just going to keep with Kane until he's far, until the train moves a certain distance and then you can let go? The scene is as follows. So the three Orpheus agents were about to get into the train, but the moment they hear the two of you just sort of shouting at them to not get on board, they instead hunker down behind what you assume is a control center for the platform. Presumably a place where incoming and outbound trains can be scheduled along with monitoring train activity and malfunctions, all of that stuff. They hunker down there. And Chihiro, it is your turn. You start first. What do you do? That is a great question. I don't know what's going on right now at this point, but Jesse sounded like, this sounded serious. So uh, whatever situation is going on there, I'm going to trust them to handle it for now and just try to keep it from getting even more chaotic by spending uh like just keeping my focus on keeping kane quiet so i guess actually the way that the ability works you spend initiative when you do it and then there for double the amount you spend they are insensate they they can't do anything so i spent the two minutes worth of initiative so basically we have, like, I, I guess it's up to you at the, how the timing works out, but either I still have time left where I am insensate, or I'm out of that, and we've got two to two and a half minutes left of Kane being shut down before I have to use my abilities again to keep it going. I am going to assume that you started this before combat even began. So you already spent that initiative to put Kane under. So you have two options. You can either break focus to assist your team with this new threat, or you can continue keeping Kane under by spending more initiative. I will, I will, I will keep it going um, by spending more initiative. I'll spend seven more initiative. Uh, that way, 
he's under for an extra 14 initiative, which should allow me to get this going again at the beginning of the next round. Normally, I would have to use it again, but since, like, it, yeah, it's just a bit weird because, like... Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's weird, but narratively, it makes sense because, like, essentially, the way it's going to play out is that you pull into the station, all of you get out, uh, other guy comes in, combat starts, and then you knock Kane even more unconscious. You briefly broke your concentration to respond to Jesse going, keep him under, and you went okay, and then you're just continuing. So you spend seven initiative, that drops you down to step five. So now, Adrian, it's your turn. All right. I forget, this drawing knife costs initiative. I have a gun out. I don't have my knife out, and I want my knife out. Yeah, I'm just going to drop the gun. I'm going to like put it away or anything and pull out my knife. That's an initiative. Yep, that's one initiative. That drops you down to 10, which means it's still your turn. So, Adrian, you have a knife in your hand now. What do? Uh, I'm going to use a charge attack. Uh, I'm going to basically just rush at him and try to stab him in the chest. I also, as a part of this, activate rank 2 of Add Edge Fast, which allows me to move an area like through a charge, reduce that to one initiative instead of the normal two. And my passive, if I get a good enough roll, basically, I can reduce it to zero initiative cost. So I'd like you to make me an athletics check with your speed to see just how fast you get over there. I'm going to use my reroll. Gives me to a plus one. That's better. Um, I'll spend the three physical to bring that up to seven. So you get a seven, which makes your initiative cost for the charge a one. Drops you down to step nine. And then you are in the same area as this new enemy. So you can make that attack with your knife. And I have to roll to dodge. Uh, first, what's your vigilance set at? My vigilance is at a three. Um, that's below my dexterity, so you're rolling at a surprise. So you're taking minus three to your defense roll. Because as the dead travel fast, I have rank B mastery. Well, no, rank A mastery, my bad. It just does that, basically. I forgot. Real quick, it actually costs zero initiative because I do a mastery B, which gives me plus two on charge rolls. And rank three lets me drop it to zero initiative once around. So I'm still at ten initiative, actually. Yes, you are. So, but I'm, but I'm rolling my defensive roll at minus three, right? Uh, yes. And I'm rolling at minus one because of a charge attack. I spend the three physical strain I can, and I'm going to bring that up to a total of a seven. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's like, we don't know or bad, oh, no. It counts on how it goes for us. Not <laughs> okay, so, Adrian, you disappear through the fog and instantly appear in a cloud directly in front of this gas-masked, huge, hulking individual. You're close now, and this guy is easily eight, nine feet tall. And as you swing your knife in towards his chest, he seems to not notice, but then you see almost instinctually his war club come up, and the blade of your knife sinks into the haft of the club just underneath the head as he parries you. Oh no! <laughs> and he's going to now make a daring counterattack. Guys, I got bad news. That wasn't part of the plan. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen. That means but he got because, a 10 total. But because you succeeded by less than 2 degrees of success, you still do about half damage to this individual. So your blade sinks through the thin shaft of this war club and pokes out the other side and the force of your swing jams the point of your blade into its chest. It's not a deep wound, but it's still a wound. How much damage does your knife do? Uh, two slash two. Okay, cool. The tip of your knife blade sinks into its chest, but it doesn't appear to do, well, anything. And now he's going to make a daring counterattack against you. Uh, no. I did my one thing. I'm not really a combat character. <laughs> I have two things I can do, and I did one of them, and the other thing takes five initiative. My other combat thing takes prep time. Uh, I'm going to try to parry him. Uh, I am much worse at dodging. So yeah, I'm going to try to unarm parry. Mm, both are minus two. So that brings my parry to a one. 
and I'll spend the three physical strain I can to bring that to a four. The, the, the good thing about a parry is that um, if you roll negative, you can ignore it because parry is, is the same th- as like awareness or dodge. Like you can roll on it once per scene if you have a specific skill level, but if you roll negative, you, you don't have to take that. Uh, then my parry is a three. So DJ, how much damage do I take? How what did he roll? So unfortunately, Adrian, that is five degrees of success against you on a eight slash zero truncheon. So that is thirteen damage straight off. And now I need to roll D threes, specifically two D three for the daring counterattack. I mean, also I hate to do this. Also toughness dice. Adrian, you are taking. 24 damage. Oh, Jesus Christ. 24? Yes, because I rolled a 2d3, and because he has that particular mastery that grants him a daring counterattack, if I roll a 3, it explode. But this is 24 damage you can soak with physical strain, if you can. All you can really do is spend all 9 physical strain and take 6 damage. And that's all my physical strain. And now I need you to roll for days at minus 3. So yeah, I get minus three on the days. Crippling days. Lose your credit bonus to initiative and all skills until the end of next round. Love it. Um, what's my credit bonus to initiative? One? Is that it? So I parried, which brought down my initiative down to an eight. So it should be at seven now, right? Yes. Um, and that's it. I'm Ouch. minorly wounded. I'm not seriously wounded. So what happens is, Adrian, you try and stab this guy. And you get the stab through, but what you don't expect is for him to basically block your knife with the flat of his club. And as you yank the knife out of the wood to try and stab him again, he backhand baseball swings and sends the business end of the club into your midsection and just sends you flying away from him into... A crumpled heap on the ground. Jesse, it's your turn. You just watched this big fella fold Adrian in half. Yeah, I did. But, but, I am a big old werewolf. And now would very, very, very much be time to make this motherfucker not be able to do anything possibly. Uh, so I'm going to... I was originally going to come up and try and hit him first, but I see what we're dealing with. So I'm going to go with possibly fucking him up from a distance and then coming in and ripping him limb from limb. Uh, so that's going to be a baleful dead because I think this one's fucked some people up. He's probably killed a lot of people. We saw legs go flying. So um, that's going to be... Eldritch will on my side versus stability or discipline on his side. Check. And I have mastery B, which will cause days if I do this right. Yeah. Okay. Fuck him up. Time to fuck him up. Peace was never an option is also my motivation. Because today is not the day. You took out one of my teammates already? Oh, okay. Peace was never the option. I mean, he was already dead, but I, he got folded like a pretzel midair with the stick that stabbed him. So he's going to need some blood or something. Okay, so, and I need to add the motivation dice. All right, so we start at four. You know what? I'm, I'm adding strain. I'm going I'm to hurt myself today if I have to. That's going to be a 12 upside his head upside his whole ass head because not today so he sees this big werewolf appear with this little guy this little guy comes tries to stab stabs and then he throws him off probably looks back at the werewolf expecting a fist fight and i let out a howl and spirits rise and flow directly at him and i will take the loss for uh making sure he's dazed okay well, you pass handily, dealing him 4 slash 4 sanity. And with 4 degrees of success, that turns into 8 slash 4, which he is going to attempt to soak. But because he can't absorb 
four of that. He takes the four, and now I need to roll temporary insanity. Remember, because... it is uh, if damage would normally prompt such a check, it is at an additional negative one. So it's minus two for days and breakdown. Okay, so that is a minus two for the... Actually, no, I rolled a minus two, so that is a minus three for the temp insanity check. And then I'm just going to roll for days, even though it doesn't really fucking matter. Oh, it does. It still matters. Uh, and I rolled a minus two for days, so he's dazed. So he's heavily dazed. He loses his clarity bonus to initiative and loses all skills. So, Jesse, a column of spirits rise up from the ground beneath your feet to assault this strange, empowered individual that just crumpled Adrian into a ball. These spirits, they are dressed in all forms of military gear. You can see that they span timelines, multiple different eras of history. You see knights, you see people in loincloths and modern military armor. You see armor from different eras, from different places. Their faces contorted into rictuses of anger and rage. They swarm towards the figure, seeming to drown it in a flood of spectral energy. It seems to weather the tide well enough, but you see it then sort of standing there. It has its war club clenched in one hand, but you can see it start to tremble. And as the tsunami of spiritual energy abates, it looks around to try and figure out where the source of the attack came from. It looks at you, Jesse, and it's making a beeline for you. Okay, I'ma fuck him up. Okay, Jesse and Adrian, it is both of your turns. The guy is still standing, and he appears to be advancing with rather murderous intent towards Jesse. What do you do? Um, I would like to really quick, for zero initiative, activate encroaching on death, and spend three humanity to make myself no longer dazed. Okay, cool. You do that. That gives me some temp armor and stuff. But that only matters if I can actually hit this guy, which I don't think I can, but I'll try. Okay, so... Uh, savagery is what I really focused in on, and I've already fully transformed. So, that means, yeah, we're going for a full flash on the creature, and I'm going to try and... I'm going to get rid of the thing in his hand. And his hand. And his hand, yes. So, uh, Jesse's going full, full bad dog, and... Uh, is going to be attacking at his arm out of the socket, or she's going to take the arm, basically. And I'm going to use my last motivation on this situation, my bond to my girlfriend, because I'm making it home to baby. I don't care about the rest of this, but I'm making it home, and he's not going to stop me today. You can either charge him and do a double charge clash, or you can basically wait for him to get to you and aim. And when he gets to you, force the clash. I guess actually both would technically count as a charge clash. So yeah, you, you, you literally can just aim until he goes in, in the initiative order. And then basically you'll have a bunch of bonuses to your attack. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. Okay, so instead of spending two initiative to just attack straight up, you're going to spend two initiative on aim, and then when both of you come together on cell five, the attack will go off. So that drops you down to step five, but it is still Adrian's turn on seven. It's a tough one. Uh, I feel like if I go to melee range, this guy's going to fuck me up. I don't have two guns. How far away is it from me to the uh, like entrance of the train where I basically drop my gun to pull out my knife? You can spend a minor move to get to where you dropped your gun. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to get my gun. <laughs> How much initiative does that cost? Two. All right. That brings me down to five, right? Yep. That drops you down to a five. Everybody's going. Chihiro, Adrian, Jesse, all of you are next, including the enemy. Adrian, what are you going to do? I'm going to shoot his weird, weird uh, war club thing, try to shoot that out of his hand. 
Okay, that is a called shot. You will be at a minus two to this. Yep. And I can use mental strain for this, right? This is your attack handgun skill, if you have it, with your ranged attack stat. Yep. All right. And I have to roll against this, too. I'll try the reroll just to see if I can get better. That's four. I'm going to spin the three strain I can. I'm really running low on that stuff really fast. Uh, that's going to bring it up to a seven and plus one from my tactics bonus brings that to eight and then the minus two from the call shot does bring that to a total of six so you get two degrees of success because this is an opposed check and you're trying to attack with tactics but you still get your attack off and disarm this individual and i'm about to finish that disarming (laughs) so your gun is doing four slash two damage with the two degrees of success, you get six slash two. But because you're only getting two degrees of success, you only get one shot off. And you manage to disarm this individual as you quick draw your pistol, fire a single shot. The bullet hits the strange, bulky soldier in the hand. And the shock and the pain make him drop the club. He doesn't appear to even notice the damage that just came in. But then it's also got a large hulking werewolf in its face now. Jesse, your turn. Uh, that's a 10 to this attack for my melee attack. Um, Jesse is going to... And you know how a dog is playing sometimes? They will grab onto something and use their feet to push off and then try and take it from you and shake their head back and forth. I'm doing that to his arm that had the thing in it. The thing disappeared, so I went for uh, right above the elbow, and I am pushing my claws and teeth into him as I try and rip this arm off or break it, whichever one happens first. So, how I got to a 10 is my base melee is 4. With using my transformation, I have a plus 2 to melee attacks. Uh, I got a 3 on the dice for my motivation. And then a plus 1 comes in with, what is it, full transformation. Um, Remember, you were aiming for 2 as well. Oh, I didn't include that, so that's a 12. All right, so that is a 12, and since he was going to melee attack you, that is a clash. And that means I need to roll for his attack. So that is seven degrees of success. On my side or his? So you succeed in the clash, you take no damage. Yes. Would this get me a primal instinct? Yes. So my base damage with my claws and all that is a 4-4. Then with my abilities, I get to add an extra amount of damage based on my toughness, which is a 2. So you're doing an extra 2d3 damage. And what's your toughness? And my toughness is at a 2. And was he charging? Yes. You actually add double his toughness for him losing the clutch because he was charging. So that's actually going to be a total of 8d3 added. I'm sorry, what? What? (laughs) Two from your toughness, two from your werewolf, four from his toughness. Okay, let me go to a virtual roller because that dice doesn't have this down so I can just roll threes. Um, So let me get to one that does have threes because I was thinking, oh, I don't have to worry about a, a three dice. I can just go with the... That requires me doing some math that I was not ready for. So your claws do 4 slash 4. With 7 degrees of success, that is 11 slash 4. And because you won the clash along with all of your werewolf stuff combined, that is an extra 8d3 of damage. So this entity is now taking 28 slash 4 physical damage. And it is also going to be rolling against bleeding at minus three. It is heavily bleeding. I, I was trying to take an arm, so yeah, like a dog. If not bleeding, I don't know how not. Jesse, you bite into this thing's arm and 
rip it bodily from its socket. There is a muffled scream that comes from this man as you just yank his arm off in a shower of blood and gore. His arm is clamped in your mouth now. That's fun. Uh, I toss it off the, off the train tracks, which has the train moved yet, actually. Oh shit, the train still hasn't moved. I mean, it's only been like... <laughs> a second. Five seconds. <laughs> Honestly, I'll toss it into the train if the doors are still open. Okay, you toss this soldier's arm into the open train. What the hell is happening out there? But unfortunately, it is its turn now. And so I would like all of you to roll against temporary insanity at minus one. Oh man, that's lame, DJ. As from within this creature's stump, tendrils of barbed wire shoot outwards towards the arm, connecting the severed limb to its body in midair, and a wrenching sound of metal winds the arm back in place. Lame. And I actually say that, and you hear that in the connection between us. I will say, Chihiro does not see this. Chihiro doesn't see this, but she probably does hear the annoyance in the werewolf. After all that work, it just put it back? No! No! I'm mad now. I rolled a total of plus one. With minus one, that means it's a neutral result. Okay, you're fine. Yay! (laughs) Uh, I got neutral. But that's a minus one. So... Jesse, fight, flight, or freeze. Oh, I'm ripping the rest of him the fuck off. Oh, you're putting it back? Oh, you're putting it back? I'm gonna take your face. <laughs> fight is what I'm saying. It's Jesse's, Jesse's like, oh shit, also turns into rage, which equals, all right, we have to take all of him apart. We have to take all of it apart. All of it has to go now. Okay, Jesse. You watch this creature's entity's soldier's arm rewind back to its body. The torn flaps of uniform seem to sew themselves together as the unknown soldier flexes his right hand. Its club is still on the floor, but it still has to deal with a very angry, very fearsome werewolf as you stalk towards your prey, intending at the very least, to end its life. This has been Applied Materials, an Orpheus Protocol actual play podcast. A warm thanks to our players tonight. Aurora for playing Adrian. Chanel for playing Jesse. Jonah for playing Chihiro. Be sure to follow the show at Applied Mats on Twitter, and we will return in the next episode. Good night. Two Orpheus teams come together to battle one implacable foe. It will take all they have to put the unknown soldier down for good. A battle to remember next time on Where Titans Collide Part 3.